Welcome to the Shenmue AM2 Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Shenmue AM2 Podcast. We're your hosts, Andrew. And Matt. And this is episode 7. And we have a special guest. Who is it? His name is James. Hey, everybody. Thanks for having me on the show. You can share your last name if you so wish. <laughs> My name is James Reiner. Hello. I didn't want to say it wrong. <laughs> it's okay. People tend to say James Rayner, and I'm just like, no, the cringe. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, for most of you, I guess, if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably a Shenmue fan, and you might have an idea who he is. But uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, James? Sure. So, uh, like I said, my name is James Reiner. Uh, I am known in the Shenmue communities as Shedgoro86 pretty much everywhere, except for Facebook. Uh, so I've been on Shenmue Dojo. I have a username on Shenmue Master, and on Facebook I use my real name, uh, James Reiner, for the Shenmue 500k Facebook group. And my re- position in the community is I am an administrator of the Shenmue 500k Facebook group as well as a uh, member for a long time of Shenmue Dojo since uh, 2002, and I didn't make a name until 2004. So, yeah, I've, uh, I'm an old man now. An old man Shenmue lover, pretty much. <laughs> I think I was around back then, but I've since lost my login from that time, so if I start again, I'd look like a noob, even though I've been there forever. <laughs> <laughs> Same here, I had a username. <laughs> Um, same, same here. I uh, actually had a username uh, way back before the one I had now, and I'm like, I don't even remember what the hell it was called. <laughs> I created mine a few years back, and uh, I, I had forgotten the password or something, and kind of getting back into the podcast, I was able to get it going and get it all up to date. But uh, we're on their Shenmue AM2 podcast, um, if anyone's looking for us. So, James... Uh, why do you like Shenmue? <laughs> so Shenmue is a game that obviously a lot of us grew up with, myself included. And I kept seeing Shenmue in the Dreamcast magazine before it came out. And as a young kid, like seeing this game that looked so beautiful compared to what was out at the time, it just grasped me in a way that a lot of other things in my life at the time did not. And when I finally got the game, I played it. And I I was like 10 or 11 at the time, and this game just built an entire world for my young little kid mind that I couldn't understand, and it eventually became, you know, such a passion as a kid, and just growing up with that, the game has stuck with me, and that's why I care about it so much. So you, when you're talking about reading it in Dreamcast Magazine, like prior to launch? Yes, prior to launch. Did you pick it up day one? So... I don't exactly remember the fine details as to whether or not it was day one or potentially one or two days after it came out. Because the first time I got it, I actually rented it from a video store local... uh, Well, it's actually a chain, but my local Blockbuster. For those familiar with that company that sadly is no longer in existence. You're making that. Uh, Except for one Blockbuster store, I think in the mid-US, like one brick and mortar store left. And I walked in, right? And at the time, I was actively renting games because it was cheaper. You know, it it costed less to rent a game than it did to buy one. Mm. And I walked in, and at the time, I loved the game Dead or Alive 2, right? So I was like, oh, I'm going to go rent Dead or Alive 2. So I pick up a copy of D2, thinking (laughs) it's Dead or Alive 2. Oh, totally different game. Let's Mm. just say if I played D2 at that age, that would be a bad time. That's, That's pretty scary. So I'm at the counter... And I look at the guy and I ask him the same question I've been asking for like a month before then. Do you have Shenmue? And he looks at me and he's like, yes, I do. And I was like, may I have it, please? And and he gives me a copy of Shenmue. I pretty much take my D2 and throw it across the room because I'm like, I don't need this anymore. (laughs) And good thing I didn't bring it home and play it. So I take home Shenmue and that's when I played it for the first time. I would like to think it was day one because I was asking nonstop if they had Shenmue in stock. Can you imagine a little 10-year-old kid calling Blockbuster every day, Do you have Shenmue? Do you have Shenmue? 
I can only imagine how much those employees were just like making fun of me by then. Mm-hmm. So it was nice to finally ask and receive the game. So, yep, I took it home and that's when everything started. That's when the addiction began. <laughs> oh, no. Shenmue's Anonymous. Yeah. That's why we're here. Your friends said, told us you have a problem. <laughs> we're, we're here to help. We're here to help. Hello, my, my name is James Reiner, and I have a problem. <laughs> we all a do, Shenmue man. problem. We all do, man. We, we made a podcast about this game. Yeah, totally, totally. Yeah, we're uh, recording this? Yeah. Like, <laughs> Speaking of which, it's just so amazing, like, just how passionate the community really is. Like, this game is really something special, mm-hmm. and I think uh, everyone in the community would agree with that. Yeah. I, I think when the Kickstarter was announced, my mind kind of immediately went to, you know, this is a game that this community has wanted so much. Yep. And it was pretty clear and evident within nine hours when they had $2 million <laughs> overnight, right? Oh, was, yeah. Oh, yeah. like, oh, okay. We actually, you know, this wasn't just talk. Uh-huh. People put their money where their mouth was. Yeah. And uh, the community really came together and just blew the target absolutely that, out of the wall. That was the best part was making, well, I didn't actually see anyone eat their words. All the people who were like, oh, Kickstarter would never work. You know, you get less than a million. Like, none of those people ever rescinded or, like, admitted defeat. But they were proven wrong, nonetheless, mm-hmm. even though we didn't get to enjoy the uh, the, the sweet taste of uh, comeuppance. <laughs> comeuppance. <Yeah. laughs> to, to be honest, and I'll admit this, I was actually one of the guys who um, kind of thought the Kickstarter might not have been the best route. Because I thought that maybe it would have given a false sense of demand for the game but oh my god was that proven wrong (laughs) i think uh shenmue gained one million dollars from the kickstarter uh at record speed faster than any other uh kickstarter for a video game if i remember correctly or even a kickstarter in general what was it like two hours they had one million dollars something like that yeah that's insane could have had more if it didn't crash yeah can you it crashed too like that took time away from getting to that million dollars faster and it was overnight in a lot of the world that's a thing that i don't think people take into consideration like people were sleeping yeah yeah and we got this two million in nine hours <laughs> there's uh there's a community member in shenmue 500k uh i won't name him here but i hope he's listening and to you thank you um he was sleeping overnight and woke up the next day because I think he's in the UK and he posted a video to Shenmue 500k just freaking out like oh my god I can't believe it like almost crying and like just like that video alone is a great demonstration of just how people reacted to the Kickstarter when it happened like it was just a very magical moment for a lot of people you know yeah let's uh on the topic of reactions Let's uh, hop into our time machine here and go back to June 15th, 2015, and uh, we should have sprung for a bigger time machine. We were never expecting to have three people in here, Matt. No. <laughs> um, uh, what was your immediate reaction? So, I was in my apartment, right? And I was going to go to the gym, because I'm like, eh, it's E3, whatever. If something crazy happens, I'm sure I'll see it trending on Twitter or something like that. But this, that year, not this year, that year, because we're in the time machine now. So technically this year from our perspective, hey, um, (laughs) something felt different, right? Like there was a gut feeling, and I'm sure a lot of people felt this, that this year felt special or that year. (laughs) And that sense alone gave me the idea. I was like, maybe I should stick around and see what happens. Because I'm sure, you know, you remember um, out of nowhere. Yu Suzuki tweets out, hey, I'm back on Twitter, when he hasn't used that Twitter for a long time. Uh, I think he tweeted out a picture of the forklift beforehand, and, you know, Sony actually responding to the Save Shenmue uh, hashtags, and, you know, just important people giving notice to the game. Like, something felt right, like something clicked. And that idea gave me the sense of, maybe I should stay and watch. Mm. So... Me and our admin team for Shemu Farm JK and a couple of members were all sitting in a Facebook group chat, right? Just chatting it up while E3 is going on, just in case something happened. Now, I'm watching it on my PS4, right? Just watching the stream go, and all of a sudden, I see the chat just freaking out. <laughs> so it turns out there was actually a delay because my internet was potato speed, right? <laughs> 
and I'm watching the stream, and all of a sudden, uh, Adam Boyce comes on saying, this is a game that all the fans were very, very, very vocal about. And I'm just like, wait a second. <laughs> wait a second. And then it hit. The music came on, and I actually filmed my reaction. It's on my YouTube channel, and <laughs> I, I just couldn't believe it. I'm just like, no way. No way. At first, I thought it was like an HD announcement, because in my mind, like, it just... There were so many hurdles that Shenmue 3 would have had to go through to come into existence that in my mind, I was like, oh, it must be an HD remake, yeah. right? And then when he said that he was bringing Shenmue 3 through Kickstarter, like, dude, it was a combination of screaming, joy, and crying. Like, it was a thing that I've never felt before. I was just like, what is this? Like, it just felt like life was complete. Like, at that moment, the planets were aligned and the sun was gleaming and everything was amazing. And I, I literally had to walk outside my apartment and I was just crying, like, in the middle of the parking lot of my apartment complex, filming myself, talking about how this is the greatest day ever. <laughs> so that was my reaction. And then I called some friends and I was like, yo, did you watch the E3s, yo? And they're like, yes, we did. And I was like, oh, boy. And they're like, yeah. And then Facebook exploded, Shenmue Dojo exploded, Twitter exploded, and it was just—it was just such a beautiful time. And you know, whew, just thinking about it, just—it <laughs> gets me so nostalgic. <laughs> I keep hoping oh, for that. Every time there's an, another conference, I keep hoping to get a little bit of that back. You know, get some more yeah. footage, some something new to show up. Yeah, I guess it's still I, early. I think at this point, like Shenmue Three, like everybody says, it was the E3 of dreams. Yeah. And I think for me, there is never going to be another E3 that will ever top that. You know, because I'd, I'd be just as excited if if they did a stealth drop of uh, Shenmue HD at one of these at one of these conferences. Like if they if they hinted towards it, you know, this is a this is a title that fans are very passionate about and blah 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 and then they show Shenmue HD remake or not remake just remaster I'd freak out just as much as I did for Shenmue 3 yeah same I think a Shenmue HD uh, is definitely very much something that needs to happen it needs for a, yeah for, for different reasons too like for one it would definitely help you know Shenmue as a franchise get into audiences who have yet to play it because they don't you know have a dreamcast or uh the games are kind of expensive now uh so maybe they just haven't been able to you know get a copy to play it and that'll definitely help shenmue 3 as well because you know say like there's people who get to play it that's never played it before want to check it out find out what the hype is about and who knows maybe they'll fall in love with the series and then you know that then leads them to supporting shenmue 3 which would be amazing and on the flip side Sega has been under a lot of fire over the years, and I feel like releasing Shenmue HD will be a very special thing that they would do that would revitalize, you know, some of our ideas of what Sega is in the modern world. Mm. Because yeah. that feels like it's more like of a gift to the fans, uh, even though you could also argue that the hype that Shenmue 3 created also created the idea of a business and monetary perspective as to release Shenmue 3. Oh, sorry, I had to release Shenmue HD, which all those items combined, I feel like, personally, I feel like a Shenmue HD is definitely going to happen. Because if you put together all these little ideas, like, it wouldn't make sense for Sega not to do it. Look, just and, look at what ha what's happening with Capcom right now, when yeah. they did the announcement for uh, Marvel vs. Capcom, and they said they were looking at bringing back old IPs. They've gotten great PR from just that one little statement. Just imagine yeah. if Saga actually does this. Mm. It's <laughs> there's, it's just win-win for everyone involved. I want more Fantasy Star Online almost as much as I want Shenmue. <laughs> <laughs> and a new Jet Grind Radio while they're at it, please. Yeah. Yes. Have you guys played the game Hover? That's kind of like a Jet Grind Radio. No. Or Jet Set Radio 3. Um, it, it, for those of you who don't know about it, uh, Hover was a game that was kickstarted. And it's like a combination of Jet Set Radio with, like, Mirror's Edge. But what's awesome about it is that it's actually... Uh, the music in it is actually composed by Hideki Naganuma. Oh, yeah. So it has a lot of roots in Jet Set Radio. And it's actually on Steam. You can get it. I think it's still in uh, in early, uh, early stages. But uh, from what I've seen, it looks pretty sweet. So definitely go check that out. It's called Hover Revolt of Gamers. Yeah. 
So let's uh, let's turn the dial forward on this time machine a little bit, and let's hop up to PSX this year. Um, what were your expectations? So my expectations at PlayStation Experience, they were kind of mixed, right? So the Shenmue fan inside of me wanted, like, an amazing trailer, something amazing. You know, screenshots, trailer, uh, Yu Suzuki <laughs> drives a forklift onto the stage, like, something <laughs> insane, right? Or, like, I don't know, Corey Marshall jumps on a motorcycle, drives it on the stage and beats up people, and then just looks at the camera and goes, I see, like, just something insane. <laughs> like, that would have been amazing. <laughs> that would have been really cool. Would have been amazing. Um, but I will say, though, the other side of me uh, is, like, I would rather them focus 100% on developing Shenmue 3 than taking the time to do something public. But that's only because of, you know, like, my... Like, just, like, the, the fan side that wants the game to be, like, super as polished as possible. However, I realize in the modern day, like, obviously they're going to need PR, they're going to need to show stuff, or else people, you know, won't know about the project. So, mm-hmm. um, I'm kind of mixed on it. Like, I'm, I'm happy that they're focusing really hard on the game, but I also would have liked to see at least a trailer at PlayStation Experience. Mm-hmm. However, if there's a reason that they decided, oh, you know, we should use this time to focus on the game, then I'm perfectly fine with that as well. So I was not upset to not see anything. So Matt actually came over to my house and we watched it together live. And we both really wanted something. And then <laughs> at the end when the Windjammer announcement came, <laughs> I was like, oh, come on, come on. <laughs> and it was a disc throwing game, and uh, not Shenmue. Um, I, I was, I was, I, I was disappointed. I'm going to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, but part of this being a Kickstarter is that we get Kickstarter updates as well. Yes. So let's uh, turn the dial a little bit more, and uh, we get the Kickstarter update number sixty three. Oh man, um, that uh, yeah, already is it sixty three already? Sixty three every month. <laughs> Um, <laughs> or I guess maybe they did a bunch during the campaign. Yeah, yeah, there was plenty of them during the campaign. Yeah. But we got some screenshots, mm-hmm. and uh, this game looks pretty good. But there's also a lot of weird photoshopping going on with these screenshots for some reason, which I, I saw the thread on NeoGAF with the, uh, the three screenshots, and it was... The first few posts were like, oh, it looks great. And then, like, the more the thread went on, there's more and more people who were like, that looks horrible. All that. Why would they Photoshop that? That's a bad public face for this game, you know? Like, you know, they, they took the, the old Chai drawing and put him on the top of the mountain in front of the moon, and they put the face of Ryo, like, of the old model, and just pasted it on this new one, and it looks pretty bad. <laughs> And, like, they should have just had a picture of Ryo from the back if, the, if his face wasn't ready. And speaking of that, it's been over a year. Why isn't his face ready? Why is it so hard to bottle a face? Like, uh. I think with the face, it could be that they're going to do a reveal at some point in time. I really hope well, that's the way they're Well, then why didn't they just do a picture it? from the back for this? So we didn't... So there's no cause for concern over the face. I don't know. There was a little, like, hint in every picture, though. There was the chai in the... In the one on the moon, but in front of the moon, there was his face mm-hmm. in that one. Now, the one with his face in it, I was trying to look at the pictures on the <coughs> on the thing on the side, mm-hmm. and I couldn't see what they were. I don't know if they were a hint towards something. And then in the final one with the little forklift with his fork, it says 4K on a sneaker. Oh yeah. Um, um, the they haven't done his face yet. Okay, but I kind of wish there was a picture of Shenhua here because. I want to know if they've changed the color of her sleeves. Like, it's been so mm. long, and they still don't have brown sleeves on, on this girl. Uh, there's just all these there's weird, like, things you think they would have done by now, but they haven't, so I'm not sure what the priority is on what they're developing. Maybe environments well, first? I, I guess just to interject, um, it is unclear when these screenshots were taken. So for all we know, these could be screenshots from development as it was months ago. So I wouldn't take... I, I don't think it's completely correct to take these screenshots and then judge that this is where they're at. Uh, just because I, I feel like a lot of developers would probably release stuff that they have QA'd a while ago that they deemed ready for public. However, what they have now is still kind of like still in development, so they're not ready to show it to the public. That update they had 
many, many months ago with the inside of Shenhua's house in uh, Unreal 4. That was very impressive. Definitely. The backgrounds are very impressive. I'm just, I, I want them to get to work on those character models. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, maybe they're doing that last. Maybe the character models are the last on their list. I mean, we don't be. obviously have any type of development document document for Shenmue 3. Mm-hmm. Because obviously that would be internal to the studio, so who knows? Maybe they just haven't polished that part up yet because they're focusing on something else. Yeah. Another thing people were complaining about was how saturated it looks and how bright everything is, but I didn't have a problem with that because that's kind of the Dreamcast look. That's kind of the AM2 look. Is everything's very bright and colorful. Yeah, definitely, and uh, you can totally see that at the end of Shenmue 2 when you're walking in that forest. Yeah. Oh, man, so beautiful. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I... I like... I like how they're going with it. I I think a great way to kind of do the reveal is take a page out of Smash Bros. book. Uh, just give us little pieces that are very important, mm. like announcing a character, announcing, well, in Smash Bros. it would be a level, but this could be a location, uh, a character that's doing a cameo, something, a little bit of the storyline. Just piece by piece um, and build that hype. Mm. Um, that's what I think... What they really need to be concerned with in marketing this game to the public, because it is tough to market a Japanese game to the Western world, mm. um, getting people hyped about this. And that kind of ties back into the Shenmue 1 and 2 uh, HD. It's a lot easier to do that if people know what's going on. It'd be, oh, hey, this is Rocky. He's fighting Clubber Lang. <laughs> this Without seeing Rocky 1 and 2, right? Yeah. Um, it. People want to get in on the ground level on stuff. I don't want to just start watching the show Friends at season three, mm-hmm. um, not knowing who Chandler is or something. <laughs> <laughs> I'm wondering if if they ever did a Shenmue HD release, if it'd get a retail as well, if it would be digital only. I think it would be digital only, to be honest. Because that's, that's unfortunate. Because feel... I, I would want to buy multiple copies. <laughs> yeah, totally. I, I feel like Sega would probably do it in a way where they probably wouldn't want to spend the money on uh, doing a physical release. Yeah. However, I mean, we could be totally wrong. They could just do it and just be like, screw it. And then they do a physical release, which would be amazing and definitely would probably sell more copies because a lot of us, like you just said, would be totally willing to buy multiple copies. Yeah, I buy... Before Shenmue 3 was announced, I bought every officially licensed Shenmue product that there was just to support it. So I got like all the ho- the hoodies and the jacket and stuff. And uh, mm-hmm. for the first the first uh, All Stars Racing game, there was like an alternate Rio uh, vehicle mode or something. And I had already sold my copy, and then that DLC came out, and I bought it, even though I couldn't use it, just to support Shenmue. And I bought the the Shenmue outfit for my Xbox 360 avatar. And then when Shenmue, uh, or sorry, when Sega All Stars transformed, got a Rio DLC. I bought multiple copies of that on Steam and just gifted it to all my friends on Steam. I'm like, you're getting this because I love Shenmue. <laughs> Matt, Matt's actually wearing the hoodie right now as yeah, we're recording oh, this. Every time we record. nice. <laughs> and I'm drinking nice. a Sapporo every time we record from. <laughs> I oh, I should have I should have poured some whiskey before we started. I have some in the office here. <laughs> Are you drinking at work? <laughs> <laughs> this isn't Mad Men. That's <laughs> eh, okay. We're we're a software company. We'll manage. <laughs> if anything, there'll be some sloppy code. <laughs> um. What else did we want to talk about? Oh, the comment there from you, Suzuki, about the pre-orders for the uh, physical PC copy um, being up on the Slacker Backer now, and that the terms of the agreement have been fulfilled, um, allowing them to do this. So it was obviously some sort of timed exclusive to get people to buy the uh, PlayStation copy first. Um... uh, there, people do talk about wanting to see it on a Microsoft platform like uh, the Xbox One. I don't think it's going to happen. Why would Sony give them the money? Um, but him saying that this agreement has, the arrangement has been fulfilled, um, I don't want to feed into any sort of rumor or anything. I think it's very incredibly unlikely that it would ever happen uh, to be on a Microsoft console. Yeah, but, it's not going to. Yeah, it's. Um, they had their chance, apparently. <laughs> Mm-hmm. There's a uh, there's a very well written write up on TeamU.net, p- piecing together every reason why it will not be on a, a Microsoft console. So I suggest uh, anyone who may be thinking that it possibly could should definitely go and read that article. 
Um, I'll send a link to you guys afterwards if you haven't seen it yet. Okay. So let's hop back in the time machine, all three of us. Uh, you grew up in New Jersey, right? Yes, I did. Uh, so we're going to go back in time to, say, the week before Shenmue 1's released on Dreamcast in North America. Matt and I are in an electronics boutique with you. <laughs> we don't know what Shenmue <laughs> is. We're just looking to buy a game. Convince us to buy Shenmue. Keep in, mi- keep <laughs> so, in mind, you you have no future knowledge. We're, the time machine's parked in the mall, and uh, you got to convince us to buy it. Okay, so my question for you is, is this 10-year-old James, or is this present-day James in the time machine in New Jersey? 10-year-old James, and we're the appropriate age to how old we would be back then. <laughs> okay, I'll be like, hey, mister, let's play baseball! <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, that's a hard question to answer because, for one, I mean, it was so long ago that, like, my memory is a little faded of those years. However, the thing I would probably say is, hey, look at this game, and I would show you the magazine and and just say one line that I think would convince anybody if a little kid came up and said, I would just say, hey, this game seems different. This game feels like the future. That's the only thing I would say without prior knowledge, just from looking at those screenshots in Dreamcast magazine. I would agree with that. It did look like the future. Yeah, it indeed was. There are a lot of things that Shenmue 1 and 2 did that have no precedence whatsoever in video games at the time that have also paved the way for those systems to be to be developed in games that we like right now. Specifically, the AI system in Shenmue 1. That is a beautiful AI system that, um, like, a, a very much more developed version of that could be seen in, like, Oblivion. The Radiant AI system definitely originated in Shenmue. Like, the idea that things happen, even if you weren't there. Yeah. Yeah. Now, let's go to the parking lot, hop back in the time machine. We're going to today. What's the date today? Mm, Monday. Monday, <laughs> December 19th, 2016. Mm-hmm. Matt and yep. I have no prior knowledge of Shenmue. Knowing what you know now, convince us to go buy a Dreamcast. To go get Shenmue 1. Like off eBay? Off eBay, (laughs) off wherever, Craigslist, Kijiji up here in Canada. (laughs) Oh boy, that's a tough one. Uh, Give me a moment to think about this. I probably wouldn't Mm. even try. I'd be like, just, there'll be an HD remake, I'm sure. (laughs) There has to be, right? I would just ask you, hey, do you like video games that give you a sense of this is more than just a game do you want to like play something that you won't just pick up and put down you'll pick it up you'll play it you'll put the controller down but you'll think about it even when you're not playing it to the point where it will become a part of you a part of your persona a part of your activities and something that will change you in a fundamental way if you want that then i highly suggest you check out this game called Shenmue because that did it for me and for a whole plethora of extremely passionate people that helped pave the way for a game that we thought would never happen become one of the most talked about things ever created. That's what I would say. Mm, it's a pretty good sell. Yeah. I'd buy it. 1995, even you can play Shenmue. <laughs> Actually, that question reminds me of a friend of mine just bought a Dreamcast and he just started playing Shenmue for the first time. We should have him on get his impressions because he never played it before. That is, assuming he gets beyond the first play session. I think he's only tried. He's only played once so far. Dude, it took me so many times to beat the motorcycle and to beat Chai that like the first like ten times I played through Shenmue, I never beat it because of those two things. Oh. Oh my god. Until I figured out that you can spam one move on Chai, I always have a hard time beating him because I never level up my moves in Shenmue. I just go from point A to point B and everything between, but I never ever train because I, I don't know. Like, I, I just never really had the need to. There doesn't seem to be enough fights for you to bother <laughs> in the first game. Yeah. Well, I, I think uh, the idea for training also, uh, especially on the Dreamcast, like, you do it because you want to have those moves extremely boosted in Shenmue 2. Because you have, you know, the uh, save file that then brings everything from Shenmue 1 to Shenmue 2. Which, sadly, we lost in North America because all of us probably originally played it on the original Xbox because we never got the Dreamcast version here, so. I imported, but even then you couldn't play your old save file. <laughs> yeah, yeah, until uh, some, some hacker dudes out there figured it out. I actually 
I I play the PAL version of of one just so I can do the save file when I play two. I never play the English. Well, uh, I guess the PAL version of Shenmue One actually is in English, but I never yep. play the North American version. I always play the PAL version. But it kind of gets spoiled when the backpack gets stolen because you're like, I have all this money and now I don't. <laughs> yeah, I I always like that part because Shenmue Two definitely gives you a sense of who like we know who we are but we don't know where we are so you feel like a total foreigner and i feel like getting your backpack stolen definitely buffers that because your one comfort was that you have enough money to get through everything if something goes wrong since you're in a new place and then all of a sudden your money the phoenix mirror and all of them beautiful capsule toys are all gone and i feel like that alone does also benefit the feeling of the introductory sequences of Shenmue 2. It's a very I mean, you can just waste your money buying everything in the first area. Yeah, it's <laughs> a very touristy thing to have all your shit stolen. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I, I guess it also... Uh, Joy in Shenmue 2 states that it's kind of a dangerous area, and I feel like that bag scene may also play in the idea that like you're in a place that's not safe, and that was a visual experience for the player to see to get that, which kind of stems to a whole larger discussion about how Shenmue 2 is actually teaching the player, aside from Ryo, the, the values that it has, but that's uh, that's for a whole different conversation. Yeah, even getting off the ferry when the guy with the camera is right in your face, um, it <laughs> it sets the tone. You're like, eh. yeah, yeah. And the free stay lodge, the sign being all crooked, and you just <laughs> yeah, don't stay at the free stay lodge, people. Yeah, the, oh. these uh, these beds haven't been washed in two years. <laughs> yeah, I was always afraid I'd get my shit stolen if I slept there. So. I don't think I ever did. <laughs> I always like the guy that comes up to you. He's like, need a tour? It'll be cheap. <laughs> and I'm just like, ugh, get away from me. Ugh. I gotta go take a shower now. <laughs> Not at the Free State Lodge, you won't. <laughs> <laughs> You'll be showering in dirt and body odor. All right. Um, um, so I do want to mention something, too, here. Pretty neat that happened. Um, back when we first started this switch... Uh, from Phantom Riverstone, uh, his blog about Shenmue kind of did a little profile on us, and he actually just did when Matt was it episode five? It was the, our disc three of Shenmue one episode when Matt was talking about that kettle on the pedestal. Mm. Mm-hmm. He did a whole huge blog about all of this kettle on a pedestal thing. <laughs> I have to read it still. It's so in depth. I just learned about it. Um, hopefully, we can. Uh, if he wants to, we'd like that. Love to have him on. Yeah, we should as a guest. We should get all the prominent Shenmue people, Shenmue fans. No, no, let no. Let's go back to Shenmue people. <laughs> you Suzuki, if you are listening, <laughs> if you are listening, <laughs> we would love to have you on our podcast. Cedric Biscay, Gio Corsi. Um, I've heard Corey, Corey I've Marshall. Heard, Corey Marshall. I've heard Hulk Hogan. Uh, Terry Malaya <laughs> is a huge Shenmue fan. What? I, I made that up. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> Please don't sue. We don't have money like Gawker does. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, is there anything else you want to talk about, James? Anything uh, that's been on your mind lately, Shenmue related? I just uh, want, I just want to spitball. Yeah, I was uh, going to say, uh, one of the topics I love discussing about Shenmue is uh, the idea of how Shenmue is kind of more than a game in a way like it feels like it's a history lesson and it's also a way for video games to teach people ideas like humbleness and things like that one of the things i've always noticed about shenmue 2 was the way the game teaches ryo like humbleness and whatnot it's actually teaching the player at the same time because if you look at each mini game that you have to do in shenmue it's a lesson for ryo right however the way the player plays the mini game the idea is then by extension, taught to the player as well. Like, for instance, when Shuing says, you know, catch these leaves, Ryo has to focus and catch the leaf. However, the player has to focus in on the leaf and hit at the moment that it should. However, that focusing is an establishment of the game, teaching the player the idea of clearing your mind to focus to be able to complete the minigame. Yeah. Yeah, all the... Uh, 
all another the, all, all the little uh, activities that he has to do are all about like slow and steady and patience and just exactly yeah except the duck race <laughs> get, get to the finish line first at all costs <laughs> dude my man my man Rio when oh man she she literally was like hey you want to go out and do this and then come back with me and Rio's just like oh I have to go are you talking <laughs> about like, when you say goodbye to Azumi? <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm making I'm making my notes for my playthrough. When we talk about Shemu too, and I have a lot of notes about that one part. <laughs> oh my god! Like I'm just like Rio. Come on, man, live a little bit. <laughs> you know, but it's okay. I mean, from from a Rio's perspective, obviously he's a man on a mission, so I'm sure that dating is definitely low in his priority, especially since a girl that. We've now come to understand that they probably had some sort of relationship growing up. He didn't even give her the time of day outside of just being like, uh, I don't know how I feel. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, Nozomi's literally crying while she's walking away in some certain cutscenes. <laughs> so I actually won the duck race as the duck this time. First time I've ever done it. <laughs> nice. Cut that. That because was we're gonna need that for the actual episode when we. <laughs> I've never actually beaten the duck race as the duck. I think that's one of the only things I never was able to do in Shenmue Two because I always forget to do it because there's like that sequence of events you gotta do like to actually play as the duck you gotta catch like the duck in the tree and I always forget to do that. I'm just like oh and then like after the fact I'm just like oh no I missed it and then whatever. I think Fagmei's birthday though is the hardest thing to get in Shenmue Two. It's super hard because I, I played through Shenmue 1 relatively quickly, so I would have had to sit there at the barbershop and hit the A button like 60 times just to get in the time frame of when I can do her birthday. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So one thing that's very uh, prevalent on the Shenmue uh, 500k is your modding. Um, how'd you get into it? What Do you mod anything other than Shenmue? So, my introduction to modding actually comes from Shenmue Dojo. There are a couple of members who pretty much pioneered the modding scene. Uh, a couple names, Landyc, Mystery Zeming, and uh, Wood, and a couple others, where finding things in Shenmue that we never knew about, like unused dialogue, unused characters unused subtitles, unused cutscenes. And this was like, I think like maybe 2004, 2005, maybe even earlier than that. And as a young kid seeing this and kind of having that passion, it got me hooked in the idea that this game has things in it that we don't know about. And some of those things that were found in Shenmue 2 actually give us an idea as to where the story is going. So as I got older, I started kind of looking into how these people were doing these mods and even like asking some of them like hey how do your techniques work and things like that so the mods that i prevalently work on uh are modifications to the game that allow you to go anywhere you want right the idea for that comes from the fact that shenmue's level design shows that there is more there than meets the eye right there's possibly buildings that you can't see unless you look from a certain angle uh like for instance the legendary tiger gate building in kowloon mm. that seemed to be actually removed from kowloon but you can kind of see its building from certain areas in certain quarters that was actually discovered by land dc so one day uh a forum member named giorgio posted hey i figured out how to shut off all the clipping in the game and that to me was like groundbreaking i'm just like holy crap there is a way to free roam shenmue without any restriction so i started developing a mod called the shenmue explorer mod built off of his uh blue sorry not blue mew uh giorgio's technique uh blue mew actually uh created the technique for shenmue 2 to do the same thing and so i started designing a disc that allows you to kind of run around and pretty much look at whatever you want and then that stemmed into me figuring out my own methods to do things like uh, convert the what Shenmue version of Doboita to run in Shenmue 1 so that we can run around it with free roam, right? Mm. 
So, like, for instance, the beta version of Shenmue 1 allows you to use a debug menu to load into any area you want, and that makes it super easy for us to load into areas that we manually insert into the game, like a converted version of what Shenmue Dobuita, which has differences. Also, in the beta version of Shenmue, uh, you can also find beta versions of Sakura Goka and uh, Yamanose, which, like, the shrine in Yamanose looks completely different. Sakura Gaoka has, like, an extra road. So it's cool to, like, you know, combine these things into a playable disc for everyone else to enjoy something that I thought was amazing, and that's why I make these mods. One of the other mods that I've been working on for quite some time now is a mod that lets Rio ride the bicycle in Shenmue 1. And for me, personally, it's, like, my holy grail of modding. Like, this is something I've been wanting to figure out for so long, and there have been times where... I thought I had it. And there are times where I told people, hey, I think I have it, when I actually wasn't even close. Because <laughs> I get so excited whenever these kind of things occur, and I tend to not think, and I'm just like, oh, hey, I did it. Actually, it doesn't work. Never mind. <laughs> so was so. that something, was that, like, originally he was going to be able to ride a bike? Is that why you want to do it? Oh, of course. Uh, so there were videos released uh, before Shenmue came out, right? And one of them uh, showed Ryo riding on a bicycle. There's actually a uh, VHS tape for Shenmue. I actually have it. Um, It's kind of a rare thing. Maybe not. I've never really seen them on eBay or anything like that. It was actually given to me uh, by a dojo member named Thief. And in that VHS tape, you see Ryo riding a bicycle. And it was cut out from the final game, sadly. However... There have been techniques that I figured out in Shenmue 1 to manipulate how the AI system controls functions that allow animations to occur, right? Mm. So for the past like three and a half years, I've been trying so hard to figure out how to have the player to, uh, move control from Rio to an NPC to ride the bike. So the method that I'm currently working on is allowing the player to control Wang, who is the delivery boy for Achiichi in Dobuita, and using that like method to be able to, you know, get Wang on the bike and ride the bike around with manual controls for what would be an automatic, uh, you know, function that the AI system would do. And it's been really complex, but uh, I, th- I think one day I can get it to work. So those are primarily the mods that I do, and then, you know, some fun little texture hacks here and there. Like, for instance, uh, I'm sure you saw the game trailer's reaction to Shenmue 3 being announced, Michael Huber specifically. Mm -hmm. Um, Mike's such a great guy. Mike, if you're listening to this, it's beautiful, man. Thank you so much. Um, I never thought to tweet in this podcast. I should do do that. (laughs) Yeah, you should. Uh, I'm sure he would love to hear it. The podcast is amazing. Uh, you guys have such a passion. I'm sure he would really love to hear it. Yeah, um, I, like he, did. I actually, sorry to interrupt. I did watch their live stream of their game of the year, and uh, my Twitch. While well, I was using the Shenmue AM2, we do have a Twitch account, I guess. There's nothing on it, but I was just like Shenmue AM2, like in the chat a little bit, hoping he would notice. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we should definitely tweet him because I imagine he'd probably time permitting want to want to do this yeah maybe so uh mike huber did a uh a video called huber hype for game trailers and one of them was about shenmue that he made after shenmue 3 was announced so like i took screenshots from that and put them as the posters in fukusan's room (laughs) (laughs) and uh if you actually if you go to youtube and look up like huber hype shenmue mod you'll find it he actually saw it and responded saying like this is absolutely amazing i'm just like aha I'm so happy you saw it. <laughs> so, but yeah, just to sum it up, like modding Shenmue has provided the community with insight into possible things that may occur. Uh, like specifically, Shenmue 2, right? Uh, Lon DC originally uh, was like the guy that was finding subtitles and all that that are not used. And recently, uh, recently being within the past two years, he he posted about finding subtitles that suggest that at one point. Lan Di was talking to um, Yuan Da Zhu, like directly to him. There's subtitles in English, I believe they're in English, to prove that. And like, it's things like that are amazing. And like, one other uh, specific uh, info was there's loading screens in Shenmue 2, both on the Dreamcast and on the Xbox, that are completely unused. Like, one of them's called like Mao Guang Temple which could be a future area we visit. I believe there was also a loading screen for Bailu Village as well found in there. 
And there's also a character in Shenmue 2 that's actually in the game files. Uh, we know him just by his three-letter acronym in the game's code, O-S-Y. So we call him O-C. <laughs> and he kind of looks like a character that you would find in Bailu Village. Because like, his outfit just suggests that he's in a village in China. But it looks kind of different from the people that we saw in Longguishan at the end of Shenmue 2 in, you know, in, uh, in Guilin. So, like, those little concepts make it amazing. And for me personally, like, I, I work in technology to begin with. So, like, I just have a love for how this game works. And there's the extra benefit of potentially finding things that will allow us to figure out where the story's going. Because that's super interesting. Especially if you take into account the fact that this was a series that so many people loved. But everybody thought, well, not everybody. A lot of us didn't give up hope. But there was a general consensus that the game was dead. Yeah. So to find little bits and pieces of what could have been meant so much because it's obvious that when you get to the end of Shenmue 2, like Shenmue's story is going to be this really grand thing. When you start taking into account that Shenmue 2, the story aligns with actual Chinese mythology. And like if you follow that mythology and relate it back to what the story could have been, like this game is going to be huge. And, like, I can't even describe that. Like, this game is going to dive into things that are absolutely amazing. And also, when you go and look back at, like, elements from Shenmue 1 as well, when you find out that magic's getting involved, or actually, sorry, a much better term would be mysticism, Shenmue 1 also seems kind of interesting, because, like, I don't know, Ryo's dreaming about a girl as soon as he finds the Phoenix Mirror that he eventually meets in real life, who just so happens to have powers, and is also stating this whole prophecy that's starting to come true. Like, this game is going somewhere so magical, and, like, we all started seeing that, and our only gateway into finding out future details is by finding these little bits and pieces and putting the whole story together with them. And to me personally, that's why I love modding this game and why I continue to do so even if the demands for mods for Shenmue are nothing. Or not not nothing, but like if the demands for the mods are starting to fade out, like personally, I'm always going to be searching and that's that's why I, I feel like modding Shenmue is totally so important for both you know, finding new things, but also for the history of the community in general, because modding Shenmue and finding these things has been such a gateway into what we didn't have until 14 years later. Yeah, it certainly kept things alive while while we were all wondering about the third installment. And yeah. it's personally, personally rewarding to you, so yeah, there's no reason to quit fiddling with, with the, uh, the game and creating new mods. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think a lot of the mods that I've made recently, though, like, they're not really new. They're more or less just, like, more executions of mods that exist. Like, removing clipping from Shenmue, obviously, like, as I said before, like, that was created by a member named Giorgio, who is legendary in my eyes. Like, that guy is so smart. And, like, so, like, a lot of the mods I've been making have been focused on, like, that. Like, just unlocking these areas and just giving it to everybody else to enjoy. Like, here is a pre-compiled disc where you could just go anywhere. Mm-hmm. So. Cool. So we want to thank James uh, for being a part of this episode. He's our first guest that we've had on. Hopefully uh, we'll have many more, and hopefully this won't be the last episode that James is on, because we'd love to have you back. Um, just some <coughs> excuse me, some housekeeping items. Um, our YouTube, this is available on YouTube now, uh, Shenmue AM2 Podcast. Please, please, please subscribe. Please like our videos. Um, part of having a custom URL on YouTube is you have to have a certain amount of subscribers. We would like to get there. Um, and that's with the help of, of everyone that listens. Uh, we've had a great response on YouTube so far. Um, we're on iTunes, Shenmue AM2 Podcast. We have our Facebook page, Facebook group, Shenmue AM2 Podcast. Um, Email? Uh, Shenmue AM2 at gmail.com. We'd love to hear feedback. Uh, we have one rating on iTunes. Hooray. Five stars. Woo. Thank you. Naturally. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> um, as we're brushing off our shoulders. <laughs> um, and uh, we also, huge, huge, huge thank you to the Shenmue Dojo. Um, if anyone watched the PlayStation Experience stream uh, for Shenmue's, for the, on the Shenmue AM2, or excuse me, the Shenmue Dojo, 
uh, stream, we had a sponsored ad. Um, or, well, not really big sponsored. Banner. Big banner ad that was in the rotation. Mm. Huge, 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 huge thanks to them. And, um, yeah, we have a couple other things uh, coming down the pipe. Our YouTube channel, we're kind of trying to make that a hub for all things Shenmue. Uh, we have playlists that I'm constantly updating and adding to. Um, and uh, we've... We're no longer, I think we mentioned earlier, no longer going to be on SoundCloud. Matt and I filmed a little goodbye message for that, I guess. <laughs> um, bid farewell to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, where are you on the social medias, James? So you can find me on YouTube at youtube.com slash lordconti, L-O-R-D-C-A-N-T-I. Uh, the name isn't Shenmue related. It's actually from FLCL. However, my YouTube channel is mostly Shenmue content, mostly modding content for Shenmue, which consists of like, you know, walkthroughs of areas and a couple how-to video guides on how to do some of the hacks you see on the channel, as well as uh, discussions. I have a three-hour long Shenmue 3 discussion series, which is three hours of me sitting on my couch and blabbing on about Shenmue. (laughs) Aside from that, there's just some also general gaming content because I also like to mod video game systems, so there's some content on there about that. Uh, you can also find me on Twitter at Shenguro86, S-H-E-N-G-O-R-O-86. Uh, you can also find me on Instagram at the same name. And if you want to drop by and discuss a little bit, you can always find me on the Shenmue 500K Facebook page just because I'm always there reading everything because <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, it's such a fun time there. Cool. So, Alrighty. Well, thanks again, James, for being on the podcast. No problem. It was a pleasure. I, I love talking Shenmue with you guys. It was such a fun time. Yeah. And uh, that's it for episode seven, I guess. And for those of you that listened to episode six, this is the only episode seven you're getting. Just We're not one. doing any more episode seven. Yes. Um, <laughs> so uh, we'd like to thank our sponsor. Who's our sponsor, James? This podcast is brought to you by Fortune Piers Warehouse Crate Company. Ugh, don't drop it. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks, James. See you next time. Bye, everybody.